Good evening, Crossroads. So good to see everyone here. Thank you for being here this evening. Uh, for those of you who are watching online, I want to thank you for tuning in. For those of you who are in the auditorium this evening, would you please stand and worship? Hi. 
darkness, my God, that is who you are. You are a way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel that you're working, you never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see that you're working, even when I don't feel that you're working, you never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see that you're working. Even when I don't feel that you're working, you never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see that you're working, even when I don't feel that you're working, you never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper. Light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. You are way making miracle work, promise keeping. Light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. That is who you are. That is who you are. That is. Let's thank our great God. What a great God we serve tonight. You may be seated, please. We're so glad that you're here today. Just a few announcements. I want to remind you of all the good things that are happening. Lots of things are happening around the church right now. This place is moving. It is going at full speed ahead. We are right into Thanksgiving Eve. We have our Thanksgiving Eve communion service coming up. That will be on the night before Thanksgiving. So I want to encourage you, make your plan to be here We will share a time of communion, we'll share some time of worship, and a lot of sharing of so many good things that are happening in the family of God. So I want to encourage you to be here. That's Wednesday night, November the 24th, 7 o'clock. And then as we continue to roll right in, we've got all things Christmas that are happening. You know, it's, it's hard to think about it, but it is here, right? So Christmas is upon us. If you have a, a box 
that you've been packing for the Operation Shoebox, Operation Christmas Child, I want to encourage you to bring it back in by next Sunday. So there's different times that you can bring it in throughout the week, or you can bring it back next Saturday or next Sunday will be the last day. So we're excited about that. There's a number of boxes that have come in. Hundreds of boxes have gone out of this place. Tomorrow afternoon from 3 to 5, there will be a packing party in the gymnasium. So if you'd like to come up here and help pack, I think they have got supplies. I heard that they went out to a bunch of stores, and they've got so much supplies that you go, you walk around, you pack the box. So you don't even have to bring anything. Is that correct, Chrissy? I know Chrissy's kind of organizing that. Is that correct? All right, so just show up from 3 to 5, all right? So that's 3 to 5 tomorrow afternoon in the, in the gymnasium here at the church. You will have a good time. It will be a blessing just to be a part of the camaraderie and see all the, all the fun stuff that's happening there. So if you just go around, you, you, they'll instruct you on what to do. So it's a fun time. But I want to encourage you. What a blessing it is for our church to reach out around the world. Amen? And then uh, as far as an outreach right here, December the 2nd and 3rd, we're going to be having a Christmas concert here. We start that out early this year, December 2nd and 3rd. That's like really early, right? You can't get any more Christmas than 2nd and 3rd of December, right? So this was the dates that they were available to come through our area. And uh, this is a, a top-notch group, Ernie Haas. He's a, a Grammy-nominated. He's a Dove Award winning. As a matter of fact, they just won another Dove Award here at the Dove Awards this year. So we're thrilled about having them here at the church, and it'll be a full-blown Christmas concert. If you haven't got your tickets yet... Please do so because they are moving out of here fast. You can see Alicia Peterson after the service. So if you go over by the coat rack, Alicia has her station set up, and she will square you away with a ticket if you need a ticket, or you can go to the church website. If you go to the church website, use the discount code CRSMIN, and you will get them for half off, all right? So that's $10. If you go to the next city, I was looking on their tour the next city, they're charging $40 a head. So we're thrilled that we're able to have them here on our little town of Finleyville, all right? And, uh, and to be able to do it with such a great discount. So God's been ble- has blessed us and we're able to uh, encourage you. So what we want you to do is to bring a friend, somebody that needs Jesus. So I want to encourage you, bring somebody that needs Christ. And as you bring them, um, they're going to hear the gospel. They're going to hear the good news. And pray for them. And then afterwards, we're going to have dessert in the gymnasium again. So we have signature sound, and then we have signature desserts in the gymnasium afterwards, okay? So if you know anything about signature desserts, they're, they're, they're worth eating, all right? And of course, they're all worth eating, right? But it's going to be a great time. I want to encourage you to be here for that. That's December 2nd and 3rd, a Thursday and a Friday. And then uh, I, want, I want to also ask you to begin to pray about your part with the birthday gift to Jesus. Our birthday gift to Jesus offering... This year we have set at $100,000. Let's thank God for that. That's our biggest goal we've ever set. So as you look through there, uh, last week I was able to be away with the Timothy Initiative. I was down uh, at a conference with them. and What they did was they brought a bunch of their supporting people, uh, their supporters together. We've been supporting them. Every $300 that we give to the Timothy Initiative, they plant a church. And so they were explaining to us how this happens. They were explaining to us the good news of what's happening. And I'll share more pictures and some more thoughts about that group with you in the future. But if you look through the list, you'll see there's people from all over the world. So we're planting churches in Nepal. We're, uh, we're, we're coming alongside of missionaries in Haiti and feeding orphans. Coming alongside of missionaries in Ecuador, feeding orphans in Ecuador, in Haiti, in the Philippines. And, and we're, we're, doing the, we're able to do this from what God has given to us here at the church. 
And so we thank you for your, uh, for your prayer and your offering. And so if, as you give to this, please designate it birthday gift to Jesus. And it will go 100%. So anything that comes in over top of that, it all goes out. Last year, we had an excess come in, and we sent it all out. And we thank God for that. And so some of those missionaries on there that were getting two or 3,000, maybe they got three or 4,000. So God was able to just use it and abundantly multiply it. So we're excited about this opportunity, and I want to encourage you to be a part of that this year. And the way I encourage you to do that is take that list, and you're going to see that list every week, all right? So it's not going to go away. You're going to see it every week for the next 10 weeks. And I want to encourage you to take that home and pray over it. As you open up the list that's in your bulletin, look inside of your bulletin, you'll see that we highlight a few missionaries every week in there. So there's, uh, I believe, Sam Fry is in there. Sam Fry is open-air evangelism. He goes out in the streets of New York City and other cities around the world, and he shares Christ. You'll see other missionaries from all over the world, that, uh, and each week we'll try and let you see some pictures so that you can get a better idea for what's going on. And then we're going to give more and more up here on the stage of what's happening. But let's all pray. And I think if we just pray and ask God, Lord, would you provide for me something that I can give to help these missionaries for this birthday gift to Jesus? Because after all, Christmas is about Jesus, right? And so and when we make him the number one on our giving list, yeah, we're going to give to our kids, we're going to give to our relatives, we give to friends and family, but the number one is Jesus. And so we put him at the top, and as you do that, Lord, I'd like for you to provide this. And you just begin to pray and watch what God will do. It's an incredible thing that God will do, and we'll be talking more about that. But begin to take that, and you can begin to give to that any day. And I want to say thank you for your faithfulness in giving. God has blessed the church, and uh, God is doing great things. As you notice when you came in tonight, there's more chairs in the auditorium. You're a little bit closer than you were last week, right? So it's because God is growing. If you were here Sunday, uh, the past few Sunday mornings, 930, I'm hearing it's standing room only. So God is doing some incredible things. Let's thank God for what he's doing in the church. Amen. He's moving. He's doing great things. And uh, and tonight, I want to. we have a privilege to... To dedicate a baby tonight. And so on Saturday night, this is a real joy when we get to dedicate babies. So I'm going to ask Brian and Amanda if they would come up. Brian and Amanda Holleran are bringing tonight little JJ. All right. And I'm going to ask that uh, we're going to put his picture up there. If we just click on the. There we go. There we go. Isn't he cute? Let's give them a hand, man. This is beautiful tonight. Beautiful tonight. Man, we, we just love Brian and Amanda. He's, he goes by J.J., but his name is John James, right? John James Holleran. And uh, when was he born? September 2nd. September 2nd. So this is as new as new gets, right? This is wonderful. And, uh, and I, I know that uh, if, you, if you know Brian and Amanda, we've been walking the journey with them. And uh, they have been praying and seeking the Lord for a child. And, uh, and went through a lot of hardships, but God has been good to them, and look what God has provided. Amen? Let's, let's congratulate them tonight for this wonderful little baby. Oh, my goodness. Brian and Amanda have been part of the church for many years, and I remember whenever they, they just started coming in, and there was a, these young kids sitting in church, and next thing I know, they're married, and next thing we know, hey, we're praying for a baby. And uh, God has just been so good to them. And so I'd like to just read a verse tonight here. And, and 
Uh, Brian, your parents are here tonight, right? So uh, uh, let's, let's welcome them tonight. You know them very well. Jim and Mary Holleran, all right? Jim and Mary Holleran. And uh, we, just, we thank God for, for all that he's doing here. Psalm 139, and I think this verse is so applicable because I know, and I've been on many phone calls with you guys, even uh, the week he was born, you had some scares. But God was with you, wasn't he? And, uh, you know, as, as a pastor, you get, you get those phone calls, and they come at all different times. And uh, it's our joy and our privilege to walk through these difficult times with you. And here we see how God is blessed and what God has done. Psalm 139 says, For you formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame, my body was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance, and in your book were written my days, every one of them. And so today I want to remind you that this little baby here is a, is a gift from God, and the scriptures tell us that, that the children are an inheritance of the Lord. They, that's, he's, from, he's from the Lord, and as God has given you this little baby, your job is to, to walk the journey and bring him up to honor and follow the Lord. So tonight we're not just going to dedicate JJ, we're going to also dedicate mom and dad because we're going to dedicate them to continue to raise him and honor and serve the Lord. And we're so happy to do that tonight. Let's, uh, let's join in prayer together as we pray over John James. Lord, we come before you and I thank you for this wonderful family that you've given to us here at the church, Lord. I thank you how that you have taken um, Brian and Amanda, Lord, and what you have done in their lives. And you, you have drawn them to you. You've drawn them to each other. And, Lord, as they're walking the journey of faith and walking the journey of life together, they sought the Lord. I'm reminded of the, one of the earliest dedications in the Bible whenever uh, Hannah brought her little baby boy Samuel to the Lord and dedicated him to the Lord. And she prayed to you, Lord, and she said, I have sought the Lord, and he has answered. And so, God, today, as we come before you, we dedicate little J.J. Because, Lord, I know the heart of Brian and Amanda, Lord. They have, uh, they have so cried out from the depths of their heart, Lord, and you have chosen to answer in this way. So, God, as we walk the journey with this family, Lord, I dedicate now uh, mom and dad. I pray for Brian and Amanda, Lord, for their for them to have the strength to parent, Lord, to love this little boy, to nurture him, to help him to grow in the admonition of the Lord. And, Father, for little J.J., we come before you, Lord, and we know that one day he will open his heart to you, Lord. We, we just pray that you will allow him to open his heart, um, that uh, as mom and dad keep telling him the good news of how that Jesus died and rose again, that Jesus is the only way. Lord, as they share that from, from the time he can... Not even speak, Lord, as they start now and share that. God, we pray for him to come to you at an early age. And we dedicate him now and to you, Lord. And we dedicate him in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's thank God for little JJ tonight.
every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever save. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. We live for you. Holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes.
Dear Heavenly Father, we want to just thank you for those truths this evening, that we know that whatever we do will not be withstand the test of time. The foundation we build would just crumble and would just blow away in the wind like sand. We know that we build a foundation upon your word and upon your truth, that we will have everlasting life. In your heavenly name we pray. Amen. thankful for all that God is doing and how God is moving and working in all of our lives and uh, as we continue on. I know last two weeks we've had some fun, haven't we? We had Eric McElvenny speak. He was fabulous. And uh, you know, today I saw him. He was out with our third and fourth graders. They're out there serving and going to people's homes and taking cards and things like that. And I thought, how cool is that? And you know, he spoke here he went to a race in Abu Dhabi, which he didn't brag about that, but I will. He went to Abu Dhabi. If you can find that on the map, it's a pretty long way away, right? He went there and raced, and then he was back here already serving with the kids. Let's thank God for people like that in our church. Man. We got, what a wonderful, wonderful church family. And then, uh, of course, last week you had Jim Watts. I mean, you can't go wrong when Jim Watts is up there, right? Like Jim Watts is just uh, Jim Watts. We love him. He is uh, he's he's uh, a wonderful mentor in my life, and I know for many in the church, he has been there for a lot of people in so many ways. And so, I thank God for Jim Watts and uh, all that he's done in his sharing last week. And so uh, today, I'm coming back, and we're going to try and uh, I'm going to try and wrap up Remarkable. I've only taken 36 weeks, and so I think we're going to kind of wrap this up, and then we'll pick it up again. After Christmas, because we've got all the Christmas series coming up and all that. But so this week and next week, we're going to be in the book of Mark. And then we're going to take a step back and then uh, we'll probably come back and look at the last week. Because as we rounded chapter 10, you go into chapter 11 and it's the triumphal entry. It's Palm Sunday. And and we already looked at Palm Sunday when we were on Palm Sunday a, uh, a few months ago, nine months ago, right? So uh, whenever we, we were back there, we looked at that passage. And today we're going to come down and we're going to pick up in Mark chapter 11. This is just after Jesus has ridden in on the donkey. The crowds were, were cheering him on. And now he, he's taken, taken a little time after that. And remember, if you go and look in the book of John, it's, I believe it's John says he looked over the city of Jerusalem and he cried. He, whipped, he wept profusely because he just he was blown away by their unbelief and, and realizing that, hey, listen, they're going to be destroyed. And he knew what was coming. In 70 A.D., Jerusalem would fall and be destroyed. But on this day, on Palm Sunday, as he's coming in, his, his disciples have no clue that Jesus is going to be dead on Friday. They have no clue that on Saturday they would be facing their most hopeless moments. And they have no clue on Sunday that he would actually rise again. Now, we've looked at this in the book of Mark. He's tried to tell them three different times that, uh, that he is, that this is what he's trying to do. He's trying to get them to understand that, hey, listen, I'm going to suffer many things. I'm going to die and I will rise again. But they were in denial. They couldn't understand it. They couldn't comprehend it because the, their, their view of who Jesus was was not lining up what, what they wanted him to be and what was going to be reality. 
And this is where the hard part for us all comes in, isn't it? You're going through life and you're dealing with life. And then, man, this is not how I wanted it to be, God. This, like, God, you promised me mountaintops. But he also said if we're going to go through the valleys, if we're going to follow him, we'll go through the valleys. Because he goes through the valleys. And the biggest thing is that God goes through the valleys with you. And always remember that. He promises to never leave you, to never forsake you. And so today we're going to pick up here. It's Monday of what would be known as Holy Week. And on the next day, Monday, when they had left Bethany, this is verse 12, he became hungry. And uh, as he's walking along, and so a traveler would be real common to just pick off some fruit and, uh, and just eat. And look what happens here, verse 12, verse 13. Seeing at a distance a fig tree in the leaf, uh, seeing, a distance, seeing at a distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to see if perhaps he would find anything on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not in the season uh, uh, for figs. So what, what he's saying here is Jesus, Jesus is coming along the journey. He sees the fig tree. He sees leaves, but there's no figs. And it wasn't the season for the fruit of the fig, for the main fruit. So what's the big deal? And look what he does here. He comes to it, verse 14. He says to this tree, may no one ever, ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples were listening. And so you, you look at this and you wonder, what is Jesus saying here? What, what's the big deal? He, he, Mark even says it wasn't the season for fruit. Um, if you go to, to read in the book of Matthew, Matthew gives us a little bit more detail. Matthew says that it withered immediately. He's come off of this high time and uh, it's the next day and he's hungry. And so he goes to eat fruit, but there's no fruit, but it's not in season. Let me just give you a little bit of background here. We're not, uh, I'm not an arborist, right? How many of you are arborists out there? Anybody arborist? All right. Not too many. You're like, what is it? What's he even talking about, right? How many of you study trees? You know, how many of you study trees? Well, when you understand a little bit about trees, uh, there was a guy in my neighborhood one day. He was coming along and he was cutting down and he was pruning the trees in the neighborhood. And he offered to prune my tree for a fee, of course, but he offered to prune my tree. And I was like, you know, if you don't want to do it for free, I'd gladly let you do it. But, you know, I'm, it's just my tree, right? So he come along. He wanted, to, he wanted to prune the tree, and he was explaining this to me. He says that my particular tree, there's a special season that you should prune that tree. Because if you prune it in the wrong time of year, then it'll become moldy, and it'll have this, it'll have that. And, and he went on to tell me about all the trees in my neighborhood, how the, the different trees, like that tree over there, you can't prune that right now. You have to wait. I'd have to come back at a different season. And I was just blown away by this. And I'm like... Who in the world cares? Just cut the tree, right? But he was really caring about the tree, okay? Now, I, I haven't studied trees to really understand that. But let's look here what happened. This is a fig tree. And Mark tells us it's not the season for figs. Jesus tells this fig, uh, because you have no fruit, you're not going to bear any fruit. You're done. Was Jesus just condemning this tree because he was hungry? You know what I mean? And let me tell you what happens here. As you would go through the, the cycle of the fig tree, and from what I've understand and read, is that it will produce a leaf. But before it produces the leaf, it will produce a small little fig that looks like the size of an almond. And then the leaves will come, and then the main fruit would come. And so as Jesus is going into Jerusalem again, he's going back down to the temple, 
He's walking in, and he sees this fig tree. And it would be very common for a traveler just to pick those and just kind of eat them as you're going along. Kind of like, like a handful of almonds, you'd pick this. And it was just the little baby ones. The main fruit was to come, and Mark's telling you that the main fruit was to come. But here's what happened. The tree had leaves, but not the little baby fruit. It didn't have the small fruit. And so what was happening was the tree had the appearance of bearing fruit, but did not bear fruit. Because it had the leaves and not the little almond-like uh, a fig, it was the signal that, hey, this tree's got a problem. This tree looks good on the outside, but there's something drastically wrong on the inside. And so Jesus condemns the tree. And you're like, well, what's he doing? Is it just because he was hungry and he wanted a snack on the way? No, if you go through and you look over in the book of Psalms chapter 80, you would find out in Psalm 80 that, that the fig tree was also a name for Israel. The vineyard and the fig tree. And so you go through and you read in the Old Testament, you'll see a lot of talk about the fig tree. So he's referring to Israel here. And what he's talking about here is this, that, that Israel looked good on the outside, but they weren't bearing fruit. They looked like they were bearing fruit. They were, they were doing all the religiousness. This was Passover week. And you know what Israel had done? They had rejected the Messiah. And so as they're coming down, and like, this is Monday, Friday, he's going to be hanging on the cross. They're coming down, and he's walking through this, uh, through this area, and he, set, he makes this uh, object lesson, if you will, for the disciples. Notice it says that the disciples were listening to him. They were taking this all in. What he was talking about here was that Israel is losing their privilege. Israel had the privilege for all these years that they would be the ones that God would use to bring his glory to all the nations. And what had happened was that Israel was far from that. Israel became self-centered, self-seeking, and self-absorbing. And this was going on. They had, they had an outward form of godliness. And you'll see this talk like Jesus would quite often get on the Pharisees now Jesus is talking about them as a nation. And he's saying, as a nation, they have lost it. They know the ritual. This was Passover week. People were coming in, and they were buying their lambs for Passover. They were going to make their sacrifice, but yet they had missed it. They were not having the fruit. So there was no fruit from the inside. And yet alone, on the outside, they were to bring all the nations to God. As a matter of fact, look what happens. He walks into Jerusalem, verse 15. Then they came to Jerusalem, and he entered into the temple, and he began to drive out those who were buying and selling in the temple. Continuing on. And overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who were selling doves. Continuing on. And he would not permit anyone to carry merchandise through the temple. And he began to teach them. And I want you to catch this because when you, when you see this acted out quite often in your, in your Passion Week videos, and you'll see, you'll see Jesus overturning the tables. And, but what, this is the key thing. It says he began to teach them. Remember I said in the very beginning when we started in Mark chapter 1, we said, you're going to see this key theme that he came to teach. He came to teach. He didn't come to give them knowledge, but he came to teach them how to be transformed. 
And so I want you to catch it like this. Jesus has come in, and the, the scene is, uh, is a terrible scene because people are buying and selling, and it's probably like we would think of Wall Street today. If you were to go into Wall Street, you would see people, you know, you know how they are, you know, they're yelling and screaming and trying to get the right thing. And it's just total chaos, total confusion. And this is what was happening. And so Jesus comes in here and he overturns the tables. Now, he had righteous anger. I like what the scripture says. It says to be angry and sin not. And I've told you before, I really have a hard time because when I'm angry, it's easier to sin. Don't you agree? Like when it's angry, when I'm angry, it's easy to say the things I don't want to say. It's easy to do the things I don't want to do. So I try not to get angry as much. Jesus came along here and he showed us how you can be angry and not sin. He came in and he saw a place that was totally missed the mark. He had just condemned the fig tree on the outside. He made an object lesson for his disciples. No fruit. They're not bearing fruit. So he walks in and what's he see? The nation of Israel. He sees that they've got the form of religiousness. They were selling. They were trading. They were doing everything in here. And listen what he says here. He began to teach them. And he says to them, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations. But you have made it a robber's den. And I want you to imagine Jesus just pulling up a chair after he's done all this. And, and like, who's going to stand by and just let this guy do this, right? So obviously he came across with authority. He's overturned the tables. There's, he's, he's, he's vented his anger shown, but he's done it very righteously. He didn't say things he shouldn't have said whenever he did it. He didn't, uh, he didn't, he didn't do it in a, in a way that was ill-mannered, but he did it in a way that showed that, hey, listen, you have violated a holy God. And he sat down and he quotes to them from the Old Testament. He says, is it not written that my house will be a house of prayer for all the nations? But you have made it a den of robbers. Let me tell you a little bit about the temple. You had the Holy of Holies. In the Holy of Holies, it was like the deepest part of the temple. That's where the priest would go. Once a year behind the Holy of Holies on the Day of Atonement, and it was an atonement for the sin of the people. And it was like this was Passover week. These people would come in and make their annual Passover sacrifice. So they would come in from the outside, and they would buy their, they would have their lamb. They're supposed to choose a lamb, but many of them were coming from a long distance away, so they couldn't just carry a lamb for hundreds of miles or whatever the journey was, three days journey on foot. And so they would come there and they would buy their lamb there. There was nothing wrong with them buying the the lamb there. Let me tell you what was going on. There was the Holy of Holies. The priest would go back there and make atonement. Then there was another area known as the men's court. That's where the Jewish men would be. Another area known as the women's court. That was where the Jewish women would be. Then there was another court known as the Court of Gentiles. Each one of these courts were to be a place of prayer so that you could come in and you could find God. Do you know what they did in the Court of Gentiles? They said, oh, that's just the Gentile court. And they made that is where they set up shop. And that's where they said, hey, we're going to buy and sell and trade, and we're going to sell lambs at top dollar. 
You know what I mean? You, you know how the economy is right now? Try to go buy anything that you need. You know what I mean? Somebody was telling me that they were looking for something. I said, well, it's called supply and demand, right? If you, if you need to buy a plane ticket tomorrow, it's $1,000 more. That's what they were doing. They were selling it on supply and demand, and they were robbing the people, and they were taking them for granted. They were destroying the whole purpose of the temple. And Jesus comes in, and he's angry. Uh, listen, this is his last week. He's, he's letting it loose, and he's showing there's something to be said for fruitfulness, folks. I, I want us to catch this because the scriptures talk a lot about fruitfulness. And so he was condemning Israel when he condemned the fruit tree. He's condemning the religious leaders when he comes in and, and he, he just overturns us and says, Listen, this is supposed to, you can sell them out there. This place here is where the Gentiles, all nations. You see, the Jewish people thought that they were better than everybody at this point. In that day, they thought, well, you know, we have God and everybody else doesn't. We are so clean and everybody else is unclean. So we can't even associate. Remember when Jesus went to the, through Samaria and he talked to the woman at Samaria. And that Jews and Samaritans wouldn't even talk to each other. Yet alone a man from a Jewish man talked to a female Samaritan. Listen, this was two different odds. Jesus is saying, listen, this is the area that I had designed so that they could come and have their sin atoned too. I did not want the, I did not want this to be only an exclusive club. This was to be for all people. And Israel, you were supposed to be that light to the darkness and you have missed the point. You look good on the outside. You have leaves, but you have no fruit. Verse 18, the chief priests and the scribes heard this. The chief priests and the scribes heard this, and they began seeking how to destroy him, for they were afraid of him. For the whole crowd was astonished at his teachings. And as they were uh, continuing on, when evening came, they would go out of the city. Verse, uh, next verse here. And they were passing by in the morning. They saw the fig tree withered up from the roots. So the next morning they're passing by. So they, they leave. Uh, all the religious leaders have been afraid. And again, Peter. I love how Peter just always shows up with a crazy question, isn't it? You know, Peter's like, Lord, he says he's going to die. And he's like, no, 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 not, not you, Lord. Get behind me, Satan. Here again, Peter. Peter says to him, Rabbi, look. One translation puts a couple explanation points after the word look there. Rabbi, look. It's like he's wanting to get your attention. Rabbi, look. The fig tree which you cursed has withered. And he's making a big statement here. And they're all taking notice. And it's all about this thing about fruitfulness or non-fruitfulness. And I want to encourage us tonight to think about the fruitfulness of our life. Uh, It's a good idea to listen to something that Jesus says is blessed and to something that Jesus says is cursed. Like you went through the Beatitudes. He says, blessed are, blessed are, blessed are. You you listen in on those. That's what you want to do. And when Jesus curses something, uh, you kind of say, I don't want to do that, right? And so Jesus here has come along and he has cursed unfruitfulness, not being fruitful, not having the fruits of walking with God, having the form of religion but truly missing out on who he is. Um, it's not going the distance. It's not going to go well for you if you don't bear the fruit of repentance. You see, Jesus was talking here about repentance. I want you to think also about he wanted us to turn from our sin to him. 
When John was baptizing, the, the, uh, John the Baptist, he was baptizing. We looked at that at the very first chapter. He's out there baptizing, and we see crowds of people coming to him. Over in the book of Luke, chapter 3, beginning in verse 7, we see this, that, that, uh, that John, uh, John was baptizing, and look what he does here. So he began saying to the crowds who were going to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the wrath from the wrath to come. So he's talking to the people of Israel and he's saying, listen, don't you understand what you're doing here? Don't just go through another form of religion here. Continuing on. Therefore, bear fruits in keeping with repentance and do not begin to say to yourself, we have Abraham for our father. You see, that's what the Jewish people would do. They would say, well, we have a heritage. Look at our heritage. God blessed Abraham, and we are in the descendants. We are part of the blessing of God. And so, therefore, everything's all right in my house. And John the Baptist even says there, this is before Jesus has arrived on the scene. John the Baptist says, listen, you're missing it. You're missing it. Don't go by some heritage. Don't go by some outward form. You've got to go after repentance at the heart. Continuing on, he says, For I say to you that from these stones God is able to raise up children to Abraham. So in other other words, God's going to grow his family. You don't have to be in a bloodline. Aren't you thankful for that tonight? Like, man, I'm not a follower of Christ because I'm in some bloodline. Um, As I was down there this week listening to the Timothy Initiative and talking to them, they're planting churches in Nepal. We're, We're going to be a part of planting 15 churches and when we say planting churches we're talking about they go into a village that where there are no christians and they tell them about jesus and then they equip them and they say let's meet under this tree and they meet under that tree and the church is started there's no buildings there's no missionary from america they take a local they win them to christ they equip them and then after that group has grown to about 30 or 40 they say all right let's go to the next village And they take a few of those people and they go to the next village and they tell them about Jesus. Aren't you thankful that the people all over the world don't have to be a part of any nationality to be a part of the family of God? The people of Nepal are waiting for us to carry the message to them. I I was sharing with one one of the missionaries down there. I said, you know, there's a lot of migration in Pittsburgh, people coming from Nepal. I said, how do you reach them? What should we do? And I'll never forget this. He looked at me. He said, you need to go tell them about Jesus. That's it. I said, anything special? Should we make a certain food? He goes, no. Go tell them about Jesus. He said, that's what we do in villages. You see, because it's not about a bloodline. And so my neighbors, your neighbors, the people that are migrating to the United States right now from all around the world. Do you see what God's doing? Like, could it be that God is bringing into our little town people from all over the world so that we can tell them about Jesus? It's not about a bloodline. See, it's not about, hey, we have this privilege in America. No, God says, I died for everybody. And I want everybody to have an opportunity to come to Jesus. And that's what he's called you and I to do. John the Baptist was telling them this here. 
as he was baptizing the people, he says, you brood of vipers, you've got it good on the outside, but you're empty on the inside. You're missing it. Do you understand when I baptize you what you're coming to? Don't just go through another ritual. And look what he continues to tell them here in Luke chapter 3. He says, indeed, the axe is already laid to the root of the trees. So every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Talking here about Israel again. It's got to bear fruit. And you know what? As believers, God's called us to bear fruit. There's fruit in our life that he's called us to bear. Like, I'm not just to pray a prayer and then go and live my life as usual. I am now a follower of Jesus. How do you tell a follower of Jesus? They follow Jesus. They do what he does. They have his heart. They have his passion. And that includes multiplication. That includes caring for the world around them. And look what he tells these folks here. The crowds were questioning him, saying, Then what shall we do? I mean, you're, we want to we follow this new move of God. Well, what should we do? And look what he tells them. He says, He would answer them and he would say to them, The man who has two tunics is to share with him who has none. And he who has food is to do likewise. He continues on to the next man. He says, And some tax collectors also came to be baptized. And they said to him, Teacher, what shall we do? And he says here, says to them, Collect no more than what you have been ordered to. Remember, tax collectors were known for robbing the people. You owed $100 tax, they'd collect 1000 off you, right? Some soldiers were questioning him and said, What about us? What should we do? Remember how vicious and evil and wicked that the soldier could be. Hmm. He said to them, Do not take money from anyone by force or accuse anyone falsely and be content with your wages. You see, what he was telling telling them here, John the Baptist was telling them, Hey, it's time to come and repent. It's time to come and turn. And so... If this is real on the inside, it's going to affect the outside. Not just by your religious form. Not just by, yeah, we believe the right things. But, yeah, I believe in this God who's so big and so powerful. He's changed my attitude. He's changed my outlook on everything. And I'm going to go out and I'm going to bear fruit. And so, if you look in the Bible, it talks about fruit. Man, we are called to bear fruit. If you go over to John chapter 15, he says that we are to bear fruit that remains. And Jesus said, apart from a relationship with him, apart from him, you cannot do that. You cannot bear fruit that remains apart from a relationship with Jesus. So we're supposed to bear fruit that remains. We're called by Christ to be fruitful. We're to have the fruit, the fruit of, uh, of multiplication. Uh, you go over and you read the, the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul over in the book of Acts, he talks about, you see them talking over there about the fruit of the ministry. They saw new people come to Christ. And so the very heart and passion of what we are is to bear fruit. If you go and look at Galatians chapter 5, it talks about the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, gentleness, kindness. And against these things, there is no law. So listen, these are the things that God has called us to do, is to bear fruit. So when I'm out in the community 
and somebody cuts me off. You know, that happens all the time. Did you ever cut somebody off in traffic? Anybody ever do that? Okay, so I'm the one you're blowing the horn at, okay? Listen, when somebody cuts you off, what's your natural response? It's so funny. I, I, you know, I'll drive around town and I inadvertently cut people off. Not because I know I'm doing it, but because I'm a terrible driver. And, and I just cut somebody off. And I'll never forget the other day. Somebody, and I knew this guy, he loves the Lord. But at that moment, I don't think he was singing praises to me. I don't think he realized who I was. And I was like, I'm going to keep going. I don't want him to know. Uh, listen, it's amazing what can happen on, in real life situations. The fruit of the Spirit's got to come out there. And so he says, I want you to produce fruit. You know, the world will be attracted to our God by the fruit in your life. And at times it may be just that little fruit like he was looking for in that fig tree, just a little almond. And at sometimes it may be the whole fig. You know, we don't eat figs too much. We don't even eat fig newtons hardly anymore, do we? You know, those are old, old, old goodies, right? Um, but listen, the fruit that God wants to produce in your life is love, joy, gentleness, patience. And he wants to use it and he wants to multiply it. You know, every tree that grows and produces fruit, part of that fruit is there's another tree. If you grow apple tree, apples fall. And not all of them get harvested, do they? Some of them fall, and then they grow up another tree. That happens with maple trees. Here's my arborist again, right? That happens with the maple trees. Do you ever see them growing in your gutters? It tells you how often I clean my gutters, right? Like you, you'll, you'll see all of a sudden that little seedling pops up in a gutter. It's like, what? Where'd that come from? It come from there. I was just, uh, just on a trip and we were taking a tour and it was, uh, it was in Florida there. They were showing us these fig trees. And they talk about the fig, they call it a fig tree that uh, it grows around another tree. And they say that the only way that that fig can get, like, it gets up high and it'll take over a whole other tree is uh, from the dropping of a bird. I, like, I'm fascinated by all this stuff, like how God does this. And you see this, I forget the name of it, but it's this, this fig tree that, like, takes over this other tree. And, and it, it, it takes it over, but because the seed was planted up there, it grows and takes over the whole tree because it came from the dropping of a bird. So my point is this. All these trees, all the things that God has given us, look at the very first chapter. He says to be fruitful and multiply. This is God's command to us as believers, is that we go out and we are fruitful in our life. The love, joy, peace, gentleness, kindness. The repentance in our life. Man, somebody should come up to me and you and say, Hey, you're not the guy I knew in high school. You're a little different. I was a little different back then too, right? You know, like you're a little different. Something's different about you. Why? Why? I, I can't understand you. It's because there's been a change of heart, a change of direction, and now I'm walking in the light as He is in the light. Oh, I'm not perfect. God didn't call any of His children to be perfect. He's called us to love Him. He's called us to bear fruit. And as we bear fruit, what's going to happen is out of our life will be other Christians. Just like when you planted that apple tree, you'd see other apples. So out of, out, of the, the, out of your life, God says, I want to see some other Christians. 
and I want to see this happen. And so what happens is we, can't, we should be like, the, like, uh, like in the book of Acts. They said, we can't stop talking about this. And you know what we've done in our culture is we're almost afraid at times. The people, again, I was talking with from Nepal and places like that, Myanmar and other countries in the 1040 window. Uh, they, they, they were sharing that when somebody comes to Christ in those areas, for many of them it means that their family cuts them off. And they have no more, no more gathering with their family. There's no Sunday lunch with their family because the family says, you follow Jesus, we have disowned you. And, and the fruit is happening. And listen, these people, their lives are multiplying because that's what God's called us to do. And I, I want to challenge us as a church. You know, I think sometimes we get so comfortable and we enjoy the blessings of God that we forget our calling is to bear fruit. Our calling is just to tell somebody. Our calling is just to say, hey, come along the journey with me. Hey, this Jesus changed my life. You don't have to be an orator. I've proven that. I'm no orator. All you have to be is somebody that says, hey, you're a witness. You're an eyewitness to your life. You you know that? Like, you witnessed. You remember when God stepped into your life. You were there when it happened. That makes you a witness. And God says, all I want you to do is tell somebody, Jesus made a difference in my life. You ought to trust him. And I think if you can do that, you can help reproduce fruit. I was coming home from this trip here, and I was on a plane, and and as I was approaching Pittsburgh, I was sitting next to a lady on the plane. And, you know, we all have these masks on. Isn't it enjoyable when you have a mask on on those planes and somebody's trying to talk to you? I can't understand a word they're saying. And this lady would not stop talking for two and a half hours. Like I could tell you everything about her. And I was sitting there and I'm saying, you know what? i got to see if this lady knows Jesus. She's been a captive audience. Actually, I was the captive audience for two and a half hours. And as the plane was coming down, I asked her, I said, well, you know, if you were to die today, do you know for sure you'd go to heaven? What would you say if Jesus asked you, why should I let you into my heaven? And she, the engines are roaring. You know how the plane's coming down. <laughs> this lady was 84 years old. Just lost her husband six months ago. Season ticket holder to the Penguins for 32 years. I want to be her friend. Listen, she needs somebody to drive her to those games. We're coming in for landing. She goes, I never thought about that. And my heart was broken. And I said, Lord God. You placed me here as your instrument, and i am got a mask on, and I'm frustrated by the stupid mask. I'm sorry, I shouldn't say it like that. I'm frustrated by my mask. I'm frustrated because I can't hear her, and she's talking nonstop. But God, I'm going to do my best to tell her about you. And as we're taxiing into Pittsburgh, I start to tell her about Jesus. And I... As a good pastor, didn't have any other literature on me. I didn't have anything. I had my bag. I'm looking for how to, how to go to heaven from Pittsburgh. I couldn't find nothing. And I gave her my card. I said, here, look us up. I'd like to give you some more. And you know what? The Bible talks about, says that some plant, some water, 
and some reap. And I want to encourage you. God took his biggest judgment. When we're looking here at the life of Jesus, the strongest judgment was always on the Pharisees. And now we see it on those with no fruit. So I want to encourage us. Let's get connected to the vine. Let's let his power from within us use us. And let's go out through love, joy, peace, gentleness, kindness, long-suffering, and let him do this work in our life. As the passage continues here, and I can't miss this passage here. Look here, verse 22 says this, And Jesus answered, saying to them, Have faith in God. Verse 22, we'll go back one there. Have faith in God. He says, listen, here's how you have fruit. You have faith in God. Then he continues here. He says, truly I say to you, all right, have faith in God. And then the next verse, truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen, it will be granted him. Therefore, I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them and they will be granted to you. Whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone so that your Father who is in heaven will also forgive you your transgressions. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father who is in heaven forgive you. And so this whole passage has been about bearing fruit. He condemns the tree. Oh, it's really Israel. The tree bore no fruit, but Israel was about to lose their privilege because Jesus was going to die on the cross. He was going to pay for their sin. And then Jesus gives a powerful lesson here as he walks them through the journey. He says, listen, here's how you produce fruit in your life. You have faith in God. And I want to just explain this. What he's saying is pray without doubting God's power or goodness. Pray without doubting God's power and goodness. Read that with me. Pray without doubting God's power and goodness. And here's why this is so important. When you're looking at things in your life, and we deal with many bad things, folks, we don't doubt the power or the goodness of God. You see, it may not be God's will for us to get the desire that we are asking. But he says that we are to come and we are to ask. And at that moment, we are, we are not to doubt the goodness of God. And then if we don't get what we, what we have desired, we still, don't desout, we still don't doubt the goodness of God. Now, sometimes we doubt the plan of God because we don't know his plans. We don't know the details. He does. Just like I read here today, for the little baby, for little J.J., Psalm 139, God says, Before he was born, every day of his was planned. It was in the book that God has. God knows the day. Listen, I, he knows the day for me. He knows the day for you. I leave that in the hand of God. But in the meantime, he says that we're to pray. Secondly, he says to have faith in God. He says about this mountain, you know, he, he talks about, you know, tell that mountain to move from here to there. And whatever you ask in my name, you will have it. Pray with an acceptance that God's power can accomplish what you ask. I understand it is God that can do this work in your life. 
God can do this. And I want you to think about this also in spiritual terms. You're, you're thinking about spiritual... Here's somebody that needs Christ. You want to talk about a mountain that needs moved. They had some very bad things happen in their life. And they're bitter and they're angry against God. Lord, please move that mountain for my friend. And you're praying on their behalf. And that's what he's talking about here. Pray with an acceptance that God's power can do this. You know, when I was on the plane and I was just sensing the Holy Spirit, talk to this lady. Tell her about Jesus. Tell her about Jesus. Tell her about Jesus. Man, I had to go into prayer. I was like, Lord, you got to, is this, is this me wanting to do this or is this you wanting to do this? Lord, you got to move the mountain. The plane's coming in for a landing. What am I going to do? We've got masks on. I can't hear half the stuff I'm saying. Lord, help me. And we get down. And God does his work. Thirdly is to pray without grudges. Remove grudges through forgiveness. Pray with grudges removed through forgiveness. You know, one of the signs of, a, of a, the fruit of a believer, I want you to catch this, and I know I've gone over, so I'll have to wrap up. The fruit of a believer is that you can forgive. Somebody has offended you. You can forgive them. Because the grace of God has been extended to you. And when you understand how much you have offended this holy God, when you come and you forgive now, see, that's fruit. And listen, I didn't say you have to trust them ever again. (laughs) That's another story. We have to forgive. And so what we do is we let it go. I have to forgive. There's, there's people that will always be at you, people that are on the opposing team. And it's like, don't let this thing destroy your heart and your soul. Let the fruit of God. See, that's what makes us different. You know, we're, I think Christians, we're like a Timex. We take a licking and keep on ticking, don't we? That's what God's called us to do. When I go out there in the world... Man, there's people don't like us. It's okay. They're not supposed to like you. You stand for God Almighty. You tell them that Jesus is the only way. They say, well, I've got four other ways to get to heaven. La-di-da. You say, no, Jesus is the only way. They're not going to like you. And it's okay that they don't like you. And so the way that we deal with this is we forgive. And so I want to encourage you. Listen, in the family of God, outside the family of God, we forgive. And so this is how we open up our prayer line. And Jesus said it there. He put it all together. And it was all on this topic of fruitfulness. If we don't bear fruit, this can happen in churches. You know, the theme of this church has been for 50 years to bring somebody to Christ. The day that we shut that theme down is the day that the Spirit of God's not working in the church anymore. Because it's all about fruit. We're never going to be the country club. Country club church is nice, isn't it? Except we do have padded chairs. I'll, I'll give us that much, okay? But what I'm saying is it's not about our comfort. We make sacrifices. We sacrifice for kids. The kids have taken over the whole building. I can barely find a place for the men to meet on Wednesday night. We're crammed into this little room down in there, man. It's like we're like sardines in there. Good thing guys like sardines, right? We're crammed into this room. But we make sacrifices. We want the next generation to follow Christ. And we're making sacrifices. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And when we take that theme off, there's no more fruit. And God says, I've come that you might bear fruit. I want to encourage you, church family, 
What's the fruit that God wants to produce in your life? Is it forgiveness? Is it the fruit of the Spirit? Is it another believer? Listen, you can do this. In our men's group a few weeks ago, we asked, what's the hardest thing keeping us from telling somebody about Jesus? And they said, I don't feel qualified. And I said, well, listen, I want to let you know that none of the disciples were qualified. You're more qualified than the disciples. The New Testament wasn't even written yet. You got the whole Bible. Wow. God will use you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed tonight, I want to I want to invite you to Christ. I want to encourage you to a life of fruitfulness. There's a, there's a, a big message here that God is telling us as he as he's coming in. This is his last week, and it's on Monday, and he makes a big scene. He overturns the tables. He condemns the. The the religious leaders of the day condemns Israel, basically, because there's no fruit. They had a form of religiousness, but they didn't have the relationship with God. And so I want to invite you tonight to that relationship with God. Maybe maybe you look in your life and you, you say, man, there was a time that I produced more fruit. I had more fruit, more fruit of the Spirit. I was more zealous and excited to tell other people about Christ, but... Man, I've just gone through a dry spell. I want to encourage you, just get connected to the vine again. Just just spend that time with Jesus. Let him produce this fruit in your life, and, and he will do it. Father God, I pray you'll be with each person, Lord. If there are those in this room and joining us online tonight, Lord, that, that need to trust you, God, I pray that you will... You will open up their hearts and and help them to start with that relationship with you and, and help them, Father, along this journey. May they understand that Jesus died on the cross. He was buried and he rose again to pay for our sin. And you said, whosoever will shall call upon the name of the Lord. We'll be saved from the punishment of their sin. And Lord, for all of us tonight, as we think of a life of bearing fruit, God, we also desire that. As your children, Lord, there's nothing more that excites us than to, than to bear fruit for you. We know that it just pleases you. We know this is what you've created us to do, Lord. But God, sometimes life has beaten us up. We've faced the trials of life. We've faced the pain of life. We've faced the, the brokenness of this world, Lord. God, I pray that wherever all of us are at, would you... Give us the strength, Lord. Breathe life into each believer, Lord. Into each Christ follower, Lord. Would you just breathe your Holy Spirit into them and give them that love, joy, peace, gentleness, kindness, long-suffering, Lord. Give them all those gifts of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit of God. Lord, would you, would you give them the, the eyes for eternity like you have given? And God, we will honor you and we will bless you. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, folks, thanks for joining us. That's what happens when I get two weeks off. I'm like uh, like a raging bull coming out of the cage, all right? God bless you. Have a great evening. Let this dark room in silence fuel imagination. Tonight the stars shine bright